Hello and welcome to another episode of Secondhand Stories. This is a place where I tell you stories. What kind? Well, histories, mysteries and unbelievable histories. The story I'm going to be telling you today is truly bizarre. As you hear it, you might feel like it's made up. It sounds like a fictional story that's been ripped from the pages of a thriller. However, I'm here to tell you that all of this actually happened. and here is how the story goes our story starts in japan it's 18th march 1984 and we're in the house of a man called katsuhisa ezaki ezaki was the president of a company called ezaki glico now this company used to make candies and confectionery along with a lot of other food products This company was pretty big back then, and it remains pretty big even today. Now our story starts at around 9 p.m. on this day, and Ezaki is having a bath. He's having a bath after a long, stressful day, and as he's enjoying this bath, he doesn't know that in a few moments, his life is going to change forever, and it's not just his life. All of Japan is about. to be thrown into chaos and fear and panic because in a few moments the door of his bathroom busts open and two men enter these two men are wearing dark clothes they've got gloves on and they've got white masks on there are holes cut out for their eyes one man carries a pistol and the other carries a rifle now you can imagine the panic the chaos and the fear that must have gone through Ezaki as he watches this unfold his first thoughts must have immediately gone to his family because he's not alone in the house there are his wife and three kids as well now the men had entered his house found his wife and daughter and they had bound and gagged them and placed them in another bathroom they had then made their way through the house and had left his two children asleep in their rooms while they searched for Ezaki eventually finding him in the bathroom now they order him to get up and do as they say they take him through the house he is still naked and wet they take him out of the house to a car where there is a third man lying in wait they dump him in the car and then they speed off into the night They take him to a warehouse where they tie him up and around midnight they ask him to write a ransom note. The ransom they would ask for is 1 billion yen and along with it 220 pounds of gold bullion. Now 1 billion yen in today's money would be about 11 million dollars and at the time it is the highest amount ever asked for. as a ransom the next day on 19th march 1984 glico gets a phone call on this phone call they hear the voice of ezaki but this voice has been taped it's a recording that's playing for them on this recording ezaki spells out the demands and gives specific directions with which this money has to be dropped off now glico immediately contact the police 
and the police on hearing this case are fairly confident that they'll solve it now the reason they are confident is because at this point in time japan boasted of having one of the best police forces in the world in fact just a year before in 1983 the police force had managed to solve 97% of all murders that had taken place in the country so they have good reason to not be too concerned they agree to help out and they reach the spot where this transaction was to occur but no one shows up there are no kidnappers and nor do they receive any further directions as to what to do so eventually the operation is called off now on the day after this on 20th march 1984 the kidnappers do something very odd they redress ezaki and they tie his ropes very loosely and then they leave the warehouse now ezaki notices that the ropes are loosely tied and he struggles against the ropes and is able to free himself he takes off the gag that's been placed on his mouth and now you can imagine what it must be like to be in this situation because he doesn't know what he's going to do next should he try to make an escape but what if the people are outside the warehouse waiting for him eventually azaki decides to take a chance cautiously he makes his way outside the warehouse and doesn't spot anybody and so he quickly runs as far as he can from this warehouse on 20th march 1984 the cops would get a phone call it's from a distraught katsuhisa ezaki he says he's made his way to a railway cargo terminal and they should come and pick him up the cops rush to the spot and they find him there he's battered he's bruised and broken but he's alive they take him to safety and after 65 harrowing hours katsuhisa ezaki and the police must have felt that finally this case was behind them little did they know that it was only getting started cuz here's what happens next March gives way to April and in April Ezaki and his family find out that the kidnappers have not forgotten about them at their residence they find a letter and a bottle of eye drops now the eye drops have been taken out from this bottle and have been replaced with hydrochloric acid when they open the letter they find out that it's from the kidnappers and they've made a fresh demand for ransom now again ezaki would contact the police and again they would land up at the spot ready to comply but no one would show up now it's soon after this that the police receive a letter of their own now the tone of this letter would be very strange it would be a mix of mockery and condescension and it would be filled with rage bitterness and laced with an acid humor now this would be a tone of voice that the police would get very acquainted with as time went on 
Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out a part of this letter that was sent to the police. This letter is a little longer but I'm going to just read the parts that are relevant to our story. So here's what the letter said. Are you all stupid? What the hell are you doing with all that manpower? If you're professionals, then come on, catch us. If you can't catch us, then you're just tax leeches. Shall we kidnap the head of the prefectural police too? That is the tone of these letters. You can see the bitterness and the rage that's being reflected through the words. And this letter comes to the police. They cannot trace it back to the sender. Soon after this, on April 10th, there is a fire that breaks out at Glico's headquarters. Now, as the company officials and the firefighters rush to stop this fire, they find out that another fire has broken out at a subsidiary company of Glico. The second fire would take place because a car has been set ablaze. Now, while all of this is happening, Glico has constantly kept getting letters. These are not one or two, they are receiving hundreds. And soon, the criminals have started using a moniker to sign these letters with. The moniker they use is chillingly the monster with 21 faces. Now this was not a random name. This was a name that is speculated to be pulled out from a book. Now there was a writer, a mystery writer in Japan called Taro Hirai. Now, Taro Hirai himself used to write under a pseudonym. The pseudonym he had chosen was Edogawa Ranpo. This itself was a clever Japanese version of the name of a legendary horror writer, Edgar Allan Poe. Now, Taro Hirai writing under the pseudonym had come up with a fictional detective. And the detective that he had created was part of a very popular franchise, a popular series of books. In fact, these books were so popular that they had their own spin-off series that was targeted to children. And it is in this spin-off series that there was a villain called The Fiend with 21 Faces. Now it is speculated that The Fiend with 21 Faces was the inspiration for the monster with 21 faces. But very soon, the monster would far outstrip their fictional counterpart in villainy. Because on 10th May 1984, a letter goes out to a newspaper in Japan. It was addressed to the police. It said, To the poor policeman, Glyco is annoying. So I injected two chocolates with 0.05 grams of hydrogen cyanide in the stores in the area between Nagoya and Okayama. It's not enough to kill, but the target will be hospitalized. After eating Glico, let's go to the hospital, eat Glico and end up in the grave. Monster with 21 faces. Now, this is a very, very cold letter to send. And as the newspapers read it, they don't know what to do next. There's a lot of debate and eventually the newspaper publishes only a part of this letter. And immediately, there is widespread panic. Supermarkets immediately start pulling down Glico products. Parents are confused and fearful. They don't know what to do. How many other products have been tainted? There is panic all around. 
immediately glico suffers economic losses their share price tanks completely there are calls for katsuhisa ezaki to step down as the president of this company the company would make millions of dollars of economic losses now it's very soon after this that the cops would get an opportunity to catch somebody from the monster with 21 faces it's because glico gets another letter with another demand for money and this time they have a very specific set of directions to be followed now at this point the story if it wasn't crazy already completely turns into an abbas mastan movie because here are the directions that the monster has sent the monster wants 300 million yen this time round and they want glico to send two employees both over the age of 45 the employees should be wearing white jackets and white pants and they will place the money in a white corolla car they will then drive this car to a restaurant where they will meet a representative of the monster with 21 faces the monster is very clear that this will take place on june 2nd at 8:30 pm now upon receiving this information glico immediately relays this to the police and the police decide that they are going to spring a trap now here's what they had in mind along with these two employees and the money in this white corolla car there will also be hidden an investigator in the trunk of this car the investigator will have a kill switch this kill switch was basically a device that would stop the car plan was that as soon as the criminals get into the car and start driving the investigator uses the kill switch the car stops the cops nab whoever is in the car ask them where they were going to take this car and then a second identical white corolla car with investigators in it goes to the location and nabs the entire ring that was the plan now june 2nd arrives and the employees wearing their white jackets and white pants get into the white corolla with 300 million in it and the investigator in the trunk with the kill switch they reach this restaurant one of the employees gets out and heads inside the second employee sits and waits in the car now the employee gets in and takes a spot in this restaurant now so far every single time the monster has called for money and given directions they have not shown up the police are worried that maybe this time too they are going to be played time starts ticking by and then at 8:45 a man enters the restaurant and approaches the employee who is sitting there he doesn't talk to the employee he just hands him a set of cards and then the employee gives him the car keys the man makes his way outside the restaurant and heads straight for the white corolla he then asks the second employee to get out of the car gets inside the driver seat and starts driving now it's at this point that cops lose signal with the investigator who's in the trunk and as he's trying the kill switch the car doesn't stop 
But thankfully, in a little bit, communication is restored. He presses the kill switch and the car comes to a stop. As it does, cops swarm this car and immediately grab hold of the person who's driving it. At long last, after all this time, they finally caught somebody from the monster with 21 faces. Or so they think. Because as they interrogate this guy, he tells them a very bizarre story. He tells them that he was out with his girlfriend in his car, which was a white Toyota. And they were stopped by three men. And his car was carjacked and his girlfriend was kidnapped. And the men told him that he has to do, as they say, if he wants her to be unharmed. Which is why he had found himself going to this restaurant, meeting this man in this white jacket and taking these car keys. The cops ask him where he was going to take the car. He gives an address. At this point, an investigator now gets into the car and starts driving to the location which this man has divulged. But as he's driving to the location, he notices that there is a white Toyota car driving erratically in his vicinity. He decides to pursue this car and a car chase ensues. But it was in this car chase that the white Toyota would get the upper hand and it slips away from the investigator. The car having been lost, the investigator now makes his way to the location. And when he gets there, of course, there is no one there. And with that, the monster has eluded the cops once again. Now, very soon after this incident, on June 26th, Gleeko would receive another letter. And this time, the letter would go something like this. To our fans throughout Japan, we're satisfied. The president of Gleeko has already gone around with his head hanging down long enough. We would like to forgive him. Monster with 21 faces. To our fans around Japan quite a touch. Now, true to their word, after this letter, the monster does stop sending any more communication to Glico. They stop the torment and the harassment. But has the monster disappeared? Absolutely not. In fact, they have just found new targets. Because right after this, letters start appearing to food companies across Japan. They're from the monster with 21 faces and they all contain the same requests for money, the same demands of extortion. There are several companies that these letters go to, but there is one company that's worth noting. This company was a company called Marudai Dairy. Now, Marudai Dairy would receive their own extortion letter with its own set of bizarre instructions. So here's what Marudai got. They got a letter from the monster and their demands were these. This time round, they wanted 50 million yen. And here's what they wanted Marudai to do. They wanted the company to send an employee to a station, to a train station, and then board a train heading to Kyoto. The employee was to sit at a very particular seat. The seat was next to the window, and he was to keep the window open. The monster then says that the employee has to keep an eye out of the window and watch out for a white flag. Now, this white flag is something that the monster has placed somewhere 
along the tracks and the minute he sees the flag the employee is to throw the money out of the window now again marudai approaches the police and the police deem this another opportunity to spring a trap for the monster with 21 faces so a police officer impersonating a marudai employee takes the money goes to the station and boards the train once he's on the train he finds this particular seat sits down and opens the window now as he's looking out for this white flag he also looks around the carriage and he sees that there are several suspicious people on it but there is one man who seems to get his attention more than most this man is 5 foot 7 approximately he's powerfully built he's got short hair which he's permed and he's wearing spectacles which have a silver rim what really stands out for the investigator though are this man's eyes because this man seems to be scanning the carriage almost like a predator the investigator would later go on to say that this man seemed to have the eyes of a fox now the investigator is keeping a careful watch outside the window but he doesn't spot this white flag the train eventually reaches kyoto and the investigator gets up and gets off the train as he gets off the train he notices that the fox eyed man has followed him the investigator sits down on a bench and he notices that the fox eyed man is observing him now the investigator hasn't seen a single white flag along the way but he's seeing several red ones from this guy now he waits for a return train and the investigator boards it as he boards it he sees that the fox eyed man has followed him yet again he's boarded the same train but in a different carriage at this point the investigator is getting this feeling that this man is somehow involved in this case he calls headquarters and he says he wants permission to arrest this man but headquarters denies this because they want to make an arrest only if someone picks up the money now he would relay the information and cops would try to tail this fox eyed man but this man somehow manages to slip away and again investigators are back to square one it's in september of 1984 that the monster now turns their attention to another company called morinaga morinaga much like glico was also a candy and confectionery company and like glico they too would receive a letter which would threaten morinaga saying that the monster has placed candies of morinaga which have been injected with poison but unlike glico this time round the threats wouldn't be idle because in october of 1984 a man enters a supermarket he picks up a magazine and then he makes his way to the back of the store the back of the store is where the confectionery is kept when he goes to the back of the store he is a little shifty 
he's behaving a little erratically it seems like he's looking around looking for security cameras there are four cameras on him in this store it's then that this man takes something out and places it on a shelf as soon as he's done this he makes his way back to the cashier pays for his magazine and leaves now his behavior has been odd enough that the police are called in the police immediately make their way to the spot where this man was standing and they see that what this man had placed was a can of morinaga candy and on this can there is a note it says this contains poison if you eat it you will die monster with 21 faces when they test this candy it turns out this threat is real this candy was laced with lethal amounts of cyanide now this man would be on videotape when they review the security cameras they see that this man is about 5 foot 7 he is powerfully built he's got short hair which he's hiding under a baseball cap now the police would work overtime to try to crack this case because the damage it's causing is enormous there's panic and uncertainty all over japan but try as they might the cops just can't seem to crack the case in fact they would come close several times there would be many instances including one in shiga prefecture where the cops would come incredibly close to again nabbing someone from this group but again the monster would slip away and then after months of trying and failing after chasing shadows time after time it becomes too much for one police officer who's from the shiga prefecture he's the superintendent of the shiga prefecture and he goes home and takes his own life he ends his life by setting himself on fire 5 days after this there would be another letter that would arrive and much like all the letters before it it too has that anger bitterness rage and condescension through it in this letter the monster mocks the police again it berates the police it mentions the death of this cop and then finally it ends with this after the death of this police officer we decided to forget about torturing food making companies if anyone blackmails any of the food making companies it's not us but someone copying us we are bad guys that means we've got more to do than bullying companies it's fun to lead a bad man's life monster with 21 faces and true to their word this would be the last letter they would send after this letter the monster abruptly suddenly stops as shockingly as they had started that's how suddenly they stop 
Now this would go on to become one of the biggest unsolved cases in Japan. And this would not be for a lack of trying because the Japanese police put a lot of time and resources in trying to crack this case. It's estimated that approximately 1.3 million cops took part in this case. They got about 28,000 plus tips and they questioned 125,000 people. But even after all this, they were left with very few suspects. Of the suspects, there are three that are worth mentioning. Two of them you've already met. One is the fox-eyed man. And the second is the man from the videotape. The third suspect, however, would be very interesting. His name was Manabu Miyazaki. And the reason he has shot up the list of suspects is because of some of the things they find in his background. For starters, he was involved in trade disputes with Glico. There had been whistleblowing incidents where Glico was accused of dumping industrial waste into a local river. And Manabu Miyazaki had been one of the most vocal opponents of Glico in this case. Apart from that, his face very closely resembled the sketch of the fox-eyed man. And if all of this wasn't enough, his father happened to be a local Yakuza boss. Now all of this paints a very suspicious picture and the cops were the first to realize it. But try as they might, as rigorously as they went through Manabu Miyazaki's life and his alibis, they can find nothing. His alibis are watertight and eventually they have to clear his name. Now, so far, this case is nothing short of a paperback pulpy thriller. But the place where it diverges very significantly is in the fact that unlike a thriller, real life doesn't offer conclusions sometimes. And there was no conclusion in this case. The Japanese police, the same Japanese police that had solved 97% of the murders in the country, could not find a single person who was involved in this case. What makes this case incredibly scary is the way that there was no motive that was discernible. Every single time, the monster would ask for money, but they would never collect on it. It seemed as if they were doing this whole thing almost as a prank, a sinister, deadly prank. It has this crazy anarchic energy to it, which is hard to reconcile with something of this level of sophistication. What's even scarier is the way that the monster receded into the darkness from which it had sprung. We do not know how many people were involved in this crime. But somehow, all of them kept quiet. And all of them disappeared. Monsters do not stay dead forever. But this one has, at least, 
so far. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, then please leave a like and a comment. If there are other stories you would like me to cover, then also leave them in the comment section below. If you know the motive behind the acts of the monster with 21 faces, also put it in the comment section below. And if you happen to be from the monster with 21 faces, please write it in the comments. And if it gets the most likes, we'll send it to the Japanese police. As usual, every single episode of Secondhand Stories is shot in front of a live audience. If you too would like to be part of these live recordings, all you have to do is become a member of the channel. Members will also be getting a lot of extra content and um, in general, these live recordings are a lot of fun. We do a lot of time pass before and after. So all of that out of the way. Thank you so much for watching this week's video. Until next time, stay safe and bye-bye.